0: So it seems like there are a lot of folks who are looking at moving these days. I know I've talked to quite a few people who have either just bought a homestead or who are looking at moving out of their state or their area in the near future, and they're looking for good options. And one of the questions that comes up for me a lot is about Wyoming. Is Wyoming a good place to homestead? Is it a good place to live? What's it like? And so I want to dig into that a little deeper in today's episode and give you what I've what I really think about living here in Wyoming. I've been here um, for, oh my gosh, 20 years? Has it really been that long? Close to 20 years? I don't know. I won't do the math because it'll take me a minute. But um, I'm originally from Idaho, and so I'm not native to Wyoming, and I had to get used to all of the Wyoming uniqueness. And so I have a perspective I think that's useful for those of you who are looking to move here. And I want to share that in today's episode to hopefully help you make an educated choice if Wyoming is on your list of potential places. So here we go. You're listening to the old fashioned, on purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. So I kind of have to watch myself when people ask me this question, and because I instantly get really excited and I want to say, yes, 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 I, you should come here, you should move here. But I have to be honest with myself that Wyoming is not for everyone. It can be a difficult place to live. And so I try to be objective. I try to be like, yes, I want you to come here. Yes, we need more homesteaders. Yes, it's possible to homestead here. But also you need to know this, this, and this. Because it's not um, it's not a tropical climate, to say the least. And anyone who's listened to my podcast knows that there are some tough parts of of living in this state. There's some really good parts. But there are some things to consider, especially if you are looking at A small farm, or a homestead. So I have a list of points for you to take into consideration today. Um, I shared a few of these over on an Instagram post about a month ago, and that post got a really great response and a lot of comments and a lot of questions, and I thought it would just be easier to dig into some of that verbally. Like, you know, the audio version of that's always easier than trying to cram it all into an Instagram caption. So uh, I think this will be a, a fun episode, I do have a couple things I want to address before I get into the list, just some broader understandings so we can be on the same page about before I get into the specifics. So the first thing is is I hear a sentiment come up a lot when I when I talk about people moving to our state or I hear about people, you know, making maybe a mass exodus to another state, and what happens a lot of times is I hear the locals of an area say things like, well, we're closed we don't want outsiders. People aren't welcome here. We don't want those folks from that state coming to live in our area. And sometimes it's joking. That's fine. It's, you know, it's said in, in a lighthearted manner. But a lot of the times it's not. And a lot of times it's, it's actually said with intention of being serious. And it showed up quite a bit in the comment section of that Instagram post um, that I made a month ago. And so I wanted to, to speak to that briefly. The first thing is I don't share that sentiment. I'm actually a big fan of people moving to our area because quite frankly, our area needs intentional people and homestead-minded people. Homestead-minded people bring a certain quality um, to an area. You know, they're they're looking for more local food. They're going to support those structures. They're looking at often improving old properties and taking old unwanted land and making it useful and profitable. Um So I'm a huge fan of having more of those people in our area. And especially with our little town, you've heard me talk about it before. We bought our soda fountain and, you know, it's a a very small town and it's struggled over the last number of decades, as have many small towns in Wyoming and beyond. And I think it's a beautiful thing to have, quote unquote, outsiders come in. I'm an outsider. I wasn't born here. Come in who can respect what that community is, but also bring some fresh energy to that. And I think that's a really good thing. So I like it. I like it when people move here. And I tend to feel like it's a little bit sad when locals are so adamantly against it. Now, that being said, I know there is a fear that that people moving into an area will change it or they will um, make it like the place they left. And I get that. That sometimes can happen I guess what I would say to that is, number one, change isn't always bad. Like, we have had pushback every single time we've changed something at the soda fountain. Now, I feel like the changes are good. Um, It's new paint. It's building a kitchen. It's cleaning out trash. But even those little changes have caused some people to be uncomfortable because change is hard for humans. Humans don't like change at first. We usually get used to it pretty quickly, but we never really embrace change. So I get that change is hard. That's fine. Um, The other piece of that is I would encourage you, if you are the person looking at moving into an area, um, be mindful and be respectful of the community that you're coming into. Understand their history. Understand they've been there a long time. And also I think take stock of why you left the place you left so we don't accidentally turn this new location into a replica of that. I feel like most people that I talk to don't want that. They're leaving for a specific reason and they're looking for maybe that higher level of freedom or um more room to breathe or more wide open spaces or more like-minded people. So they don't they don't want to recreate that. I think there are exceptions to every rule though. So I just wanted to put that out there. If you are a local, just just be kind and um know that not everyone moving into your area is is bad. In <laughs> fact, I would say it's a vast majority of them are wanting to support your community and help it to thrive. And I think it's a really good thing. And I love that, you know, as people are looking at kind of this mass exodus out of urban areas right now, because of all of the things, so many reasons, this could be the revival that a lot of our small towns need. You know, um, the small towns of America, it's a delicate balance. And I know the small towns are on us, like they're very much on this tipping point of having enough people there to keep businesses open and keep schools open, and it can be a real struggle. And so having an influx of people come in can be a good thing, in my opinion. So um, that's my spiel on that. The other piece I wanted to talk about really quick is kind of Well, it's about the freedom topic, because I'm going to speak to that a little bit in today's episode, because it's honestly part of the reason that a lot of people want to move right now. They are looking for states or communities that are more freedom-minded. And I've had a couple episodes recently talking about this, speaking to this idea of higher levels of freedom, personal autonomy, making choices, opting out of systems, etc. And naturally, I've had people who thought it was great. And I've had people who didn't think it was great and are rather annoyed with me for talking about that, which is fine. Everyone can have an opinion. We're not always going to agree. I don't want everyone to always agree with me. That would be boring. But I did want to speak to this um, very quickly because I've had a couple people, well, one, a couple people said they were disappointed in me. A couple, one person very clearly said that um, it was important that I understood that I have a platform and I have a responsibility with that platform. And I get that. I, I do have a responsibility with this platform. And I take that very seriously. If you guys only knew how much time I spend thinking about that and, and meditating on that, how many hours I have lain awake at night with the responsibility of this platform weighing on my shoulders. I don't take it lightly. And that's part of the reason I have chosen to speak out a little more boldly. And I'm not, let's be honest, I'm not real bold. Compared to some of the people on the internet right now, I'm not being very bold at all. (laughs) I feel like I'm still being a little bit um, quiet, honestly. But being more bold than I have in the past. Because I feel like... Oh, sorry. That was my dog. I feel like this topic is really important right now, especially. And I personally just can't go on with my head in the sand publicly and pretending like it doesn't exist. So that's why I'm speaking to these topics right now. You don't have to agree. That's fine. Um, but know that it's very much intentional. Because here's the thing about homesteading: when you start to question some of these things. It starts with food, right? Most of y'all came into homesteading including myself because we started to question food. Is this thing really good for me that has this, you know, FDA seal of approval on it? These these uh, heart healthy like Cheerios, is this really heart healthy? We start to question. Is this fat free thing really good for me? Do I really have to be dependent on industrial agriculture and big pharma to to nourish my body? What if I look at other avenues? Like we start to question. And that leads us down the road of questioning other things, which I think is a good thing. That's why I speak about opting out of systems and um, making those choices and and having higher levels of personal responsibility. And so for me, it's a very very logical step. You know, if I'm advocating that I believe people should be able to buy raw milk if they so choose it's very logical for me to also advocate that you should also have the choice of what is injected into your body and you shouldn't be forced to take a certain thing just to keep your job. And um, I know that's making people uncomfortable, but I feel like that is something that because of the weight of this platform that I do have the responsibility of shepherding, I have to speak out on that, especially right now because to me it's very, very, very important and it could shape a lot of our history in the years to come. So that's why I'm speaking to this. And I'm not intending on every podcast episode and every blog post or every Instagram post to be about that. It's not. But homesteading is all about freedom and choices and opting out and personal responsibility. And at our current point in history, I feel like this is one of the biggest opportunities I've seen in my lifetime, to be sure. But for many, many decades, to examine this and confront this and decide how we want our future to look as a culture and a society. So people are, are uncomfortable with me speaking out on this. That's fine. It's okay. We live in a polarized world. Um everyone is is extra touchy right now. I get it. Um, people are trying really hard to get me to fit into a box, whether it's their box or the box they're against. They're just they really want to know what box I'm in. And I'm like, you know what, guys? I'm not going to go into a box. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so the other day I did a Q&A on Instagram and I had a ton of people like, are you anti this? Are you anti that? I need to know. And I'm like, I didn't answer. I'm like, no, mm-mm. I will say the only thing I said is I am, I'm pro freedom. And I feel like you have the ability and you should have the ability to inject whatever you like in your body. If that's what you feel is the right choice for you, go for it. But what I will fight for is your right to choose to do that or not, because for me that 's what homesteading is about it's the, the the choice of well, if I feel like raw milk is better for me, then i I would love that choice I, I believe in that choice um, that I believe it should be available to me to to do that, and if you want an injection or you don't want an injection, I believe that's a choice, um, but there's a lot of nuance, and I get it so that's all i 'm going to say about that today, but I wanted to to bring it up because Really, let's be honest, a lot of the reason that people are moving or wanting to move or looking at moving right now is because of the different changes in our society at the local level and at the federal level and mandates and things like that. And people are trying to find places where they can have their choices respected. And so I um, wanted to address that before we get into all the nitty gritty. So without further ado, let's talk about Wyoming. (laughs) So number one, I cannot um talk about Wyoming without the weather because this is the thing. This is the thing that um on all the videos I've ever done, whenever I'd meet someone for the first time, the thing that comes up first is the crazy Wyoming weather. And it is a big deal. Like if you have only ever lived somewhere with moderate weather, you can't quite fully fathom what a Wyoming winter is like. And I am not exaggerating. Um, the snow literally comes in sideways like I would say a couple times of year we have a, a lovely snowfall where it's like Hallmark movie and the big flakes gently fall to the ground. But that's very rare. Most of the time our snow comes in with a vengeance and it's sideways and it's blizzard. And if you've ever watched The Little House on the Prairie shows, that is us. Like I I didn't understand for my whole childhood when I read those books growing up in Idaho, when they would talk about getting lost on the way to the barn or tying the rope. Um, to the barn or I think there's that episode where like Laura has to shoot the gun. So Pa can find the house after he goes out to the barn or to get fired whatever whatever. Like I was like, I just think that was really exaggerated. I don't, once you move to Wyoming, you don't, you don't think that you understand why, how legitimate that was. Um, so the wind can li- literally no exaggeration blow a hundred miles an hour or more here. We did see a hundred mile an hour winds on our homestead last winter Um, that's why our greenhouse, we bought it to be rated for 115 miles an hour, which is, I think we'll be okay with that, but it does blow that hard. It is literally, um, like a light hurricane force wind. Uh, that means that trucks can tip over. So one thing that we think about a lot, like you don't have to worry if you just have a regular vehicle, but, or just a regular truck, but if you're pulling a trailer, you do have to be really careful about driving it on the highway on the windy days because it can blow over. So a lot of times if I want to go ride my horse in town in an indoor arena, I have to make sure that it's not blowing. And I've canceled many a horse event um, because of the winds and semi trucks will tip over and campers and RVs will tip over. I always feel so bad, like it'll be the windy days and you'll you'll be on the interstate and you'll see a camper and a truck from Arizona and they're going like 10 miles an hour. And I could tell, you know, you can tell the driver is, high anxiety, which I don't blame them. And I'm like, Oh, no, you didn't know you shouldn't get on the interstate when it's blowing like this. It's, it just can be really scary. So um, yeah, on those days, you can't do much outside on your homestead. It's really wise to have um, other things to do. And the first few years, I was a stay at home mom. With the winters, I really struggled because they they are long, and I I mean I couldn't go outside. I re, I really couldn't. You you might go out for a minute to do chores, and then you're just getting back in as fast as you can. Um, but as soon as I learned how to create pastimes, and honestly, it was my blog that it really was the thing. But I learned how to occupy myself during the long winter months. It got a lot easier. So have a plan that helps, and. I kind of, now that I've figured out how to cope with the winters, I kind of enjoy them in a sick, twisted way. And <laughs> some people don't understand that, but you know, you get your winter clothes collection, you get some cute sweaters, um, you figure out what you do in the winter. And I I look forward to the long, dark evenings. I like reading books. I love our fireplace. I enjoy the forced slowdown. I feel like if I lived in a Southern state where you know, with kind of nice weather all year round, I'd probably run myself into the ground because I need um, the the seasons. I need the ability to go, okay, right now it's not the season for being outside till 10 o'clock at night. Ten, right now is the season to rest. So I like it, but I get that it's not for everyone. It takes a tough-minded person to be able to do things here um, outside or, or homestead or farm or ranch here. I was talking to Justin Rhodes, um, I'm sure all of you know who he is. He's the homestead YouTuber. Um, we were chatting at the Homesteaders of America conference and he and his family did the Great American Farm Tour a number of years ago. And They came to our house and they toured the whole United States and f- toured all kinds of homesteads and farms. And he told me <laughs> at the conference, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Wyoming, out of all the places we visit, was pretty much the toughest place to homestead out of all of them. And I'm like, huh, well, that's good to know. I kind of had that feeling, but it's nice to have it confirmed. But guess what? We still make it work. We grow a lot of food on our homestead. Um, a lot of food. Almost all our meat and tons of dairy and tons of eggs and an impressive amount of vegetables as I figured out the garden. It took a little time, but we're making it work. So it can be done as long as you have a try. Okay, um, one of the things I'm getting a lot of questions about as far as Wyoming goes is people are asking about mandates what kind of mandate situation do we have here um it's a little hard it's hard to say moving forward i don't know what's going to happen nobody knows what's going to happen we did have a mask mandate for a while last year the the governor um he put that into place and he did remove that and he hasn't said he he said he won't i think he said he will block any passports um, last I heard, I could be wrong on that. So he he's kind of moderate with that, not as, um, what's the word I want to say here? <laughs> not as freedom-minded as maybe some governors in other states, but he's kind of in the middle. So for the most part, it's fairly laid back here. It's with mandates, um, at least now in 2021. We'll see what happens as we move forward. That's just a big question mark in my mind. With homeschooling, That's another big one. Overall, Wyoming is pretty friendly towards homeschoolers. The only regulation that we have um, that we have to send a letter of intent and a list of curriculum to the district every year. And it's not difficult. I've had a few new homeschoolers here kind of get worried about it. It's not a big deal. There's like, we have a form letter that a lot of homeschoolers kind of just pass around and and change it to fit their needs. Um, It's not like you have to send in the full scope and sequence of all your curriculum, I just put a list of what books we're using and what topics are included in those books, uh, and that's been sufficient every year for me. No one's ever had a problem with that. So I know when I I was homeschooled in Idaho growing up, we didn't have that requirement, but I feel like compared to some states, which are a lot stricter, I can, I can tolerate that. It's not a huge deal. So um, I just keep the same letter in my Word docs and just change it every year and mail it in. Now, one area that Wyoming really shines is food freedom. We have some of the very best food freedom laws here, um, some of the best in the country, and they keep getting better. When I first moved here, they were pretty average. Raw milk was still illegal um, but and, and all of that, but they've they've really worked hard to change that, which I think is fabulous. So you can now legally sell raw milk to your neighbor. You can sell uh eggs of course and most homemade foods there's like a cottage food law that kind of allows under a certain amount of sales is is fine and you can do it at the farmers market there's a few little um regulations like i believe if you sell eggs at a grocery store that are farm eggs they have to say like farm eggs farm raised eggs or something and they have to be in a carton and blah 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 but um it's it's pretty cool i think and then one of the things that makes me the most excited is this past year they passed a law that ranchers can legally sell individual cuts of meat to consumers, even if it's not processed in a USDA facility. It just has to be processed, I believe, in a state facility. And so that's created a lot of beef sales in our local area because, you know, you have people who are smaller producers who would never be able to go do USDA processing or do that whole rigmarole. And they're able to sell beef to friends and family legally that's not Um, a quarter or a half. Because normally, like in the past, it was legal to sell beef, but you had to sell it kind of on the hoof or in large chunks. And so this way, it's nice for people who don't want to buy a large portion of beef, they can just do a few packages and it's legal. So that's been really cool. And I'm really appreciative of having that freedom. Now, as far as food sources go, we have great food freedom laws, our food sources can be tricky. I mean, we are a little bit of a food desert, I think, when it comes to organic, fresh foods. One of the things I love about Wyoming is that it's a little bit behind the times. One of the things I dislike about Wyoming is that it's a little bit behind the times. So the idea of fresh, organic, natural, higher quality foods is not... A big deal here. Like you go to some parts of the country and there's Whole Food stores everywhere and there's Trader Joe's and you have all these options and tons and tons of farmers markets. We don't quite have that here. And most people in the state, not all, but there's a lot of people who are just fine eating the standard American American diet. They're not as motivated yet to go find different options. And so therefore, we don't have a lot of other options. Um, the other piece of that is, like I said before, we're not super conducive to growing A lot of fruits and vegetables just easily. It takes a lot of effort. So, where I come from in Idaho, you know, there's apple trees along the side of the road, or there's you pick berry farms, or, you know, someone's grandma had raspberries growing crazy in their side yard and they'd beg you to come pick them. That's not a thing here. It's really hard to get those fresh fruits and vegetables. Maybe not the vegetables as much in the summer because you can do the garden, but fruits here, you got to go out of state with very few exceptions. So that makes it a little bit tougher. There are farmer's markets in a lot of the towns, our townhouse farmer's markets. Um, I find that a lot of the vendors there are, you know, they're they're bringing in produce from other states like Colorado or Utah. If you want like peaches and pears and those things, they're not being grown super local. So that's that's something that I feel like is kind of hard to work around as far as you're not going to have the the fresh organic local stuff. It's going to come in from a state or two away. But I've seen it get better is when it comes to the store offerings and the type of vendors at the farmer's markets. And I feel like if we have more people here looking for those options, then the retailers are going to be more prone to provide them. So it's one of those things I think patience is a virtue. And just continuing to advocate for those things and ask stores to provide those things and put you know vote with your do- dollars and put your money where your mouth is, I think it'll continue to get better. But that's one of the reasons that it really prompted us to get our milk cow when we did and to get our chickens when we did and to start raising our own beef when we did because we just couldn't get those at the store. So if you're the homestead-minded person and you're ready to produce a lot of your own food, then you'll be fine. It hasn't been a huge issue for me. Um, For a lot of my organic bulk things, I just order from Azure Standard because I don't really have like the bulk local option, but it hasn't hurt me necessarily. I just have to get creative and find it other places. Um, okay. The growing season, I kind of alluded to this. It is short. I was just talking to a friend yesterday. She's from Ohio and she had a beautiful garden in in Ohio and she was used to that climate. And she was expressing, you know, it's been a, a big leap to get used to the elevation here and the short growing season. And it's just very different to gardens. So like, for example, in our Southeast corner of Wyoming, I plant no later than June 1st. So or no, or sorry, no earlier than June 1st. I said I said that wrong. So I can do some of my cold weather crops middle of May, but we very commonly have snow middle of May, and so anything that's sensitive like squash, melons, tomatoes has to be planted June 1st or later. And then we can get snow the first week of September. In fact, last year September 8th we had a massive snowstorm, and the garden was done. Uh, this year we didn't get our first freeze until I think it was the third week of September. So I got a little extra time out there, but it's short. And so you have to plant accordingly. I recommend, you know, really looking at your seed catalogs for those short season varieties. For us, I've talked about our greenhouse in previous episodes. That's been really awesome and a little bit of a game changer as far as extending my season. Um, We had spinach and kale and um, mizuna. What else did I have out there? Arugula almost all year round last year. We had a spinach salad from the greenhouse on Christmas Day, and it was fantastic. Um, So the greenhouse is wise, I think, if you're here, or a cold frame or something like that, to give you a little extra oomph. Um, But it's it's a learning curve if you're from a more temperate climate. We also have hailstorms here. Some parts of the state are worse than others. Our part of the state's pretty bad with the hailstorms, and that's why we built, some of you might have seen, the hail net structure over the top of our garden. We built that last year, um, and I can't tell you if it worked or not because we haven't had a single hailstorm since, but maybe that's maybe it is working. Maybe it has warded away the thunderstorms. I don't know, but hail is pretty destructive, so it's good to have a plan. If you have some really precious plants or something, have a, have a way to protect them. Uh, when it comes to taxes, we don't have a state income tax, and we seem to have lower property taxes than a lot of states, and so that's really good. Um, I know that I, – I don't know anything about this, so don't ask me questions, but I know that a lot of um, – cryptocurrency people are moving to Wyoming because I think our laws are really favorable towards that. So that can be a benefit if you are in that industry, might be something to consider. Again, I have no idea how that works other than that sentence I just stated. (laughs) So you'll have to go get info elsewhere. But um, I know that can be a good thing. And lastly, on my list here, the people. I, I think Wyoming people are awesome. They are generally pretty gritty and pretty independent but they're friendly. And you'll find a lot of small towns with charm and history and um, just that that small town vibe. You know, you're driving to town, people wave, even if you don't know them. Um, And I really, I really love it. I really love, it's a little bit slower paced. Um, You definitely are taking a step back in history with a lot of the places in Wyoming. And I think that's awesome. So all in all, Heck yes, you should come to Wyoming. Come on over. The water's fine. If you can handle some weather and some blizzards and some uh, hailstorms, I think you'll fit right in. So anyway, I hope that was helpful Um, to give you some things to chew on if you're considering a move or maybe it's to a different state, but there's always things to keep in mind. Um, I think there's pros and cons no matter where you live, you know, some of the more temperate climates are going to have high humidity or too much rain. I have a hard time fathoming too much rain, but I know it does happen or too much mud or bad soil or high property costs, or I don't know. There's, there's always pros and cons no matter where you're going to go. So you just have to figure out what's important to you and go for it. So to wrap it all up, I wanted to invite you if you are one of these people who are looking at opting out of systems and thinking outside of the box and busting through the status quo, I have recently started a newsletter just for people like you and I, and I kind of didn't know what to call it. So I was calling it like Freethink or something, and I decided instead to call it Intentionally Independent, because I feel like that really sums up a lot of us and why we choose this lifestyle. We're being intentionally independent. So you can join that. It's totally free over at www.intentionallyindependent.com. And I'll drop that link down in the show notes. I'm not going to email you a ton. I won't spam you, but I'll just send out little tidbits and thoughts and resources that I'm using and finding helpful along my own journey of opting out of systems that don't serve me anymore and getting creative with uh, just forging my own path. So come on over and join us www.intentionallyindependent.com. And that's it for today, friend. Thank you so much for listening and being here. And we will chat again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.